chapter 8, the book of Revelation, it says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half an hour. I guess I know a few people are not going to be there. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God. You know, it's a joke because it was quiet for half an hour. I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. There was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all of the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth, and a third part of the trees was burnt up, and all the green grass was burnt up. And the second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and a third part of the sea became blood, and a third part of the creatures that were in the sea and had life died, and a third part of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon a third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of water. And the name of that star is called Wormwood, and a third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded... And a third part of the sun was smitten, third part of the moon, and a third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld and heard an angel flying in the midst of the heavens, saying with a loud voice, Woe! Woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. So very sober, uh, heavy imagery brought before us during this tribulation period. It says, he opened the seventh seal. We're talking about Jesus, the Lamb of God in his redemptive form, the Goel, the kinsman redeemer. He opens now the seventh seal. The first six seals had been opened. 
judgments that came into the earth, the Antichrist, then war, then famine, um, then pestilence and so forth, which everybody could ascribe to natural phenomenon. The Lord then pulls back in chapter 7 and says, look, my, my work has not ceased in regards to my love for humanity. And we see 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams. You know, the angels are told to hold back the wind, to hold back. It seems like the whole world goes into a stillness and a doldrum. We see that broken here in chapter 8. And then it shows us the multitude that are saved out of that time. No doubt the testimony of the two prophets, which I believe are Moses and Elijah, seated outside of Jerusalem. And 144,000 and the things that are taking place. Um, unimaginable multitudes, a, a great awakening, a revival unlike anything humanity has, has ever seen. And then when he comes to the eighth chapter, now it's time for the seventh seal to be broken. Now, people ask, is this all sequential? Um, is it falling out in a sequence as we look at these things? Um, it seems, as we look at this, it says, and when he opened the seventh seal, so there's a sequence there. He had opened six seals before that. Couldn't open the seventh seal till he opened the sixth seal. Couldn't open the sixth seal till he opened the fifth seal and so forth. When he opens the seventh seal, then seven trumpets are ready to sound. Seven trumpets couldn't sound when the sixth seal was open or the third seal. Graham Scroggie says not only is there sequence, he said, but the seventh seal, in fact, is the seven trumpets. And then as we follow that along, the seventh vials can't be poured out until the seventh trumpet sounds. So however that spreads across Daniel's 70th week, it's hard to be dogmatic, but no doubt there is sequence as we go through. Here, you'll take note as we read through a dozen times, 12 times, it says a third of the grass, a third of the sea, a third of the trees, a third. All the way through, there's a demonstration of God's grace. When we get to the vials, it's all of the water, all of the seas, all of the trees. Here, you know, I believe the silence happens because God is is a loving God and he's brooding and he's about to begin a series of supernatural judgments on the earth and there's silence in heaven as that is prepared and even as it comes it says a third and a third and a third which means he allows two thirds he allows some survivability you know is this now the ministry of Moses and Elijah it tells us in chapter 11 that those two prophets were allowed to shut up the heavens that it wouldn't rain. It says anybody who tried to make war on them, fire was called down on them. It says they were able to smite the, the world with any pestilence as much as they wanted to. So possibly, as we look in this chapter, you know, we have chapter 7, the winds held back a doldrum. Everything stilled is that these prophets holding back the rain, causing heavens to shut up. Uh, we're going to see fire fall from heaven. Is that the ministry of Elijah? We're going to see water turn to blood. Is that the ministry of Moses? The idea is these things are happening just 
to make a point. They're not indiscriminate. God has a plan. A lot of the modern scholars, and I respect them, and, and many of them, you know, obviously much better scholars than I am, but I'm amazed to read through and hear them say, well, this, here's our nuclear arsenal, here's this, this would happen if a nuclear exchange took place, and this is how much trouble John would have it. If he saw it, he wouldn't know how to explain it. Look, um, there's involvement with these. The first two trumpets, the problem, it says it's cast to the ground. There's energy. The next two, it says they fell from the sky. The last one, the sun, moon, stars are smitten. And it seems like there's supernatural involvement to make these happen. And what point would it make if it was just a nuclear exchange and people weren't getting the message from Almighty God that they wanted to get? So I don't have any problem seeing this as supernatural as we go through the Lord working. You're entitled to your own opinion. We'll watch it from the mezzanine and we'll talk, you know. So he says here in verse 1, And when he, when, or sequence, he had opened the seventh seal, notice this, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half an hour. John says about. It was kind of like that. There's a definite space of time Complete silence. The seventh seal has been opened. Look, it's a very interesting picture because in the Old Testament, anytime we have a vision of heaven, and that's where we are right here in the beginning of the chapter, there's a lot of noise. As we go through the book of Revelation, there's a lot of noise around the throne. As we're in the fourth chapter, it tells us of the worship of the cherubim, and it says they worship him day and night without ceasing. So, all of a sudden, this half hour of silence in heaven is it the first time since creation. And I kind of think that it is, that heaven stands still. Try to imagine how deafening this is. I know you're in your own life, try to be quiet for 10 minutes. You'll lose your mind. You come in from outside, you're the only one in the house, you turn on the TV, you're not going to watch it. You just have to have that thing going so you're not alone. Imagine a half hour of silence in heaven and billions upon billions of faces of men and of saints and of angels silent, stilled. To me, the scene is unimaginable. Silence. You'll be there. You can hit the person next to you and never study Revelation and say, wait do you see what happens now. You can let them know. Like he's going to open the seventh seal. This is what's going to happen. You can give people a heads up. But just imagine this. Everything goes quiet. And then John's going to say, and I saw. We go through the seals. It was, I heard. And then someone said to me, and I heard this. Now there's no hearing. There is, I saw seven angels. There's nothing but silence. Remarkable picture brought before us here. And it says, when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half an hour. I'm sure it was deafening, sobering silence. And then he says, and I saw, not heard, I saw, there's a definite article, the seven angels which stood before God... And to them were given seven trumpets. So he said, 
Then I saw the seven angels. Some try to say these are archangels. Eh, we don't know that. We always know that Michael, there's a definite article, is the ark. Ark would seem to me the only, he's the only one of his kind, Michael. Jewish tradition, Book of Enoch, Tophet, different places, try to say, well, these are the seven presence angels, that this is their position. It says they stood, it's a, um, it's a perfect infinitive. They, they, they stood in the position they had. Had they always been there? Possibly. The, again, Jewish tradition says these are the seven angels. We, we may know who one of them is because in Luke chapter 1, when Gabriel comes to Zechariah and says, hey, yeah, you, you know, your wife's going to conceive and uh, you're going to have a son. You're going to call his name John. He's going to go forth in the power and so forth of Elijah. And Zechariah actually says to Gabriel, how, how, how do I know? Gabriel says, what do you mean, how do you know? I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. So one of these seven may be Gabriel. The Jews have it, Gabriel, Uriel, Mike L, Raphael. Each of the angels has L on the end of their names. They have seven names of the angels. But again, that's tradition, it's conjecture. We don't have it in the scripture. But these are seven angels who stand in the presence of God. And they're there, and it says, there was given to them seven trumpets. These are not musical instruments. This is not, you know, the, the kind of trumpet that would be used musically. This a specific word that means a trumpet that's used on the battlefield, a trumpet that's meant to gather people. It has a purpose and a warning. These are specific Trumpets that are handed to them. And by the way, look, this is quietly. John says, I saw dead silence. Seven angels standing before God. Dead silence. Seven trumpets handed to them. Dead silence. He says, and another angel came and stood at the altar, <clears throat> having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers, notice this please, of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. So we now have this other angel who comes. Some try to say, well, this is Jesus Christ um, because of the prayers and so forth. But he's not, there's nothing propitiatory about the ministry you know it looks like a priest and Hebrews tells us Jesus our high priest but there isn't anything here that lends itself to a redemptive work in fact it says another angel the word there is alos which means another of the same kind of the seven angels that are already standing there so this is another angel and this other angel comes, dead silence. Now he's given all this incense in his censer. And it says, to offer with the, pray the prayers of all of the saints. I think one thing practical you and I can take from this chapter this morning is all of the prayers 
of all of the saints have been heard. They've not been answered. They've been heard. All the prayers of all the saints. Is this the saints throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, or is this just the saints uh, that are martyred, the saints that uh, from chapter 6, verse 10, the saints? It doesn't matter. We'll be happy when we get there, whichever crowd it is. You'll be part of it. But there is now, going up before God, the prayers of all of the saints. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, offered for 2,000 years. The struggles of Psalm 73 that every Christian has had. Lord, if you're good and you're on the throne, why do wicked people prosper? If you're all-powerful, why does my son have leukemia? Lord, if you're on the throne, why is my marriage falling apart? Why am I suffering this betrayal? Why this report from the doctor? Why have our finances caved in? Why why is my neighbor who's a junkie win the $10 million lottery? Buy one ticket. You know, know, Lord, there's there's no justice. It doesn't seem right. I, I believe in you, and I believe you have everything under control, but at the same time, everything seems out of control. Every single one of those cries and prayers are recorded and have been kept. And at this scene, when he's ready to begin to move and deal with sinful humanity in a way that he never has, heaven falls silent and all of those prayers rise before his throne. You know, I think... We have to be careful when we say, Lord, just come, just get us out of here. Just start the just, because that's not his heart. You know, even more sobering, when the seven vials are ready to be poured out, it says he, he rescinds, he pulls himself back into the temple, and we're thrown as it fills with smoke, and no one can get near him. That's just him at that point, and he's just. We're going to hear. But he's going to pour out his wrath without restriction. All of the water, all of the trees. You know, I think we have to be careful. Remember, um, Ezekiel tells us that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Precious in the eyes of the Lord are the death of his saints, right? The Psalms tell us. We're the opposite on this end. I get a little pleasure in the death of the wicked. Lord, if you ain't going to save this guy... Smoke him. Why should he use up oxygen? You know, he's driving us crazy. And then somebody you love, family members, a good friend who's a believer, they die. And then we're like, oh, why'd you take them if you love us? You know, it's the opposite in heaven. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked because he understands eternity. And he takes pleasure in the death of his saints because now, though there's an empty seat at the table here, there's one full in our Father's house. So we have to be careful. We look at these things, you know, you and I praying, yeah, the world around us is crazy. There's so much injustice, you know, in government, in finances, in, in you know, the pandemic, all this, everything, you know, it just seems like the whole thing is unraveling. Everything has frayed edges, you know. The inmates have taken over the asylum. But God sees it a different way. And he, sees, he still sees spread out through that insanity a multitude of sons and daughters that are going to be gathered. 
And when he finally, you know, there's little response, you know, you look at the Antichrist, you know, some of your relatives, friends are going to get saved then. We're going to be raptured. You're leaving them your Bibles. You have Thessalonians underlined. You get everything ready for them. And, And then, you know, war breaks out, then famine, you know, then a quarter of the earth's population gone under the fourth horse. People are going to be turning to Christ left and right. What's it going to matter at that point in time? You know, people that are distracted now, hey, I'm going to retire at 30 with a million bucks. I'm going to retire on a golf course in Florida or, you know, whatever people think. Nobody's thinking that anymore. The grass is gone, tells us here. You know, you know just everything's changed. People are they're, when they're thinking about retiring. They're thinking, I'm going to retire when they take my head off. That's when I'm going to retire. So as the Lord moves into this season in his judgments, there's silence. I believe there's a brokenheartedness. How hard can the hearts of men and women be? The angel, as he offers the incense now, it says it ascends with the prayer of all of the saints. Your prayers, my prayers, Spurgeon's prayers, Whitfield's prayers. They're rising. How wonderful. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer, and he filled it with fire from the altar, and he cast it into the earth, and there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. So the silence finally breaks. Now, the interesting thing is here, look, the same altar, the same fire that caused the incense to ascend before God with the prayers of all of his children is the same fire when it falls on it. When it falls towards a believer, it brings blessing. When it falls towards an unbeliever, it brings judgment. All of a sudden, out of the silence, the doldrums, bright, clear, blue, sunny sky, even though insanity has broken loose on the planet because the winds have been held back, all of a sudden, voices, lightnings, thunderings, and a huge earthquake. The silence is broken. You can imagine what people on earth are thinking as this takes place. And the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets, they prepared themselves to sound. You know, so they're not musical trumpets. They're not going like this, you know. They prepare themselves. Each one of them gets ready to go. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. Exodus chapter 9, you read about that in the ministry of Moses. Hail, fire, mingled with blood, and they were cast. Notice it's not a nuclear, it's not something, this is something deliberate, and there's energy on the divine side behind it. They were cast upon the earth, and a third part of the trees were burned up. The, the Paris Climate Accord must be disbanded at this point in time. A third part of the trees were burned up, and all of the green grass. Now, by the way, that's not golf courses. Green grass is green herbage. That's tomato plants and wheat fields and corn fields and crops and 
imagine what's happening here, you know. Uh, the, the, the soot that must be in the air, the, the ecology, the erosion, all of the grass. Now, it'll grow back because we're going to see further things. But it, under this judgment, try to imagine what this is saying. I mean, it's, it's hard for us to believe. And by the way, we're going to get to the next angel, the next trumpet, and we're going to see one-third of everything alive in the sea is killed then. Here we have one-third of the forests of the trees of the world. Because we hear a lot about the Amazon rainforest, and you can't do this because it affects the oxygen. And it does to a degree. Trees and plants supply about 20% of the oxygen in the atmosphere. So if a third of those are burnt up, you know, then we're left with... 14%, 14%, whatever, it's cut down 7%, you know, 7% of the total of the atmosphere's oxygen. But still, people with asthma, people different, people suffering, imagine all of a sudden the air tightens up, uh, there's soot in, in everywhere, and these, these things falling from heaven. What an interesting picture. It says in verse 8, And the second angel sounded... And look what he says. As it were, he's trying to tell us what he saw. A great mountain burning with fire. So a huge ball of fire. And again, he says it was cast. Somebody's aiming it. It was cast into the sea. And then a third part of the sea became blood. Moses turned water to blood. Is this one of the prophets outside of Jerusalem? And a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And a third part of the ships were destroyed. So uh, we see about 1,500 to 1,800 meteors per second come into our atmosphere. They're burn up. If a third of them get through, that's five to six hundred meteors a second hitting the earth. Is that a picture of this? We don't know that. Is it one big meteor that finally makes it through? We don't know that. Is it just something that God put together, like you make a snowball, a big ball of fire, and then cast it into the earth, some angel? Maybe. These are supernatural things. As it comes now, falls on the sea... It says, a third of the sea is turned to blood. Is it literal blood? People try to say, well, this is the red tide. We don't know any of that. Everybody wants to kind of diminish what it says. It says a third of it's turned to blood. That's what it says. In chapter 16, it says, all of the rivers and all of the oceans are turned to blood. And the angel says there, Lord, you're just... Because they shed the blood of the saints, and you've given them blood to drink. So we know it's literal blood there. A third part of the of the ocean, salt water, turned to blood here. So you do 330 cubical million miles. Take a third of that. Uh, you're at least, you know, 100 trillion cubical miles uh, of blood. That's quite a load. And then you have a third, uh, you know... You have a third of all of the creatures in the sea. That's all whales washing up, fish, 
Sorry, you guys, shrimp, scallops, lobsters. The whole world smells like cat food, you know. <laughs> you can imagine what this is, is like. And if a third of the plankton die, now between the dead trees and the plankton, which produces 80% of our oxygen, not the forest, the plankton. So imagine now you're down 33% of the oxygen level in the atmosphere around the earth has been cut down. People are gasping. Third part of the creatures dying. That's unimaginable how that affects fishermen, affects things that live in the sea, affects the ecology. And it says a third part of the ships are destroyed. They estimate at any given time 45,000 freighters at sea around the world, trade, commerce, 15,000 of them are gone. They estimate about 5,000 military ships at any given time in the ocean. Um, so you're, you know, 1,500, 1,600, a third of those gone. How many of those have nuclear reactors in them? You know, with, with the 5,000 ships, uh, they estimate there's somewhere near a million personnel involved with that process. It's hard to imagine the scope of this. The tsunamis, this great ocean falling, you know, are, where are the tsunamis around the world? What's happening? You know, you know Luke tells us this in... Chapter 21, Luke says, and there shall be signs in the sun, we're going to come to that, the moon, the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, no way out, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken." You know, no doubt Luke saw some of this and describes it to us in the 21st chapter. So you can see this judgment then on the ocean. A third of those that are alive die. A third of the ships are destroyed. A third of the ocean turns to blood. And then the, this is a nice chipper little study on Sunday morning, isn't it? You think, I should have stayed home and sold my driveway again. It says, and the third angel sounded... And then fell a great star. It doesn't say somebody shot it up and detonated it. There fell a great star from heaven, burning, again he says, as it were, a lamp. It looks like a lamp falling. Is he saying that it's a, an oil lamp is all they knew? Is it falling and are there, there spurts of burning oil? You know, is it, is it spread out? Is it concise? doesn't tell us here. It says a third, it, it fell upon a third part of the rivers. We're, we're hitting fresh water now. We had salt water, the trumpet before this. Third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of water. That word fountain speaks of the great aquifers of the earth. The underground water systems are also polluted by this. The fountains of waters. And the name of that star is called Wormwood. Now, that's the only time in the New Testament that word is used. Several times in the Old Testament. The name of the star is called Wormwood. I think Chernobyl in Russian. 
I don't think that's related, but I'm probably wrong. And the third part of the waters became wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. So whatever this wormwood is, the, the herb itself is bitter, not necessarily deadly. Whatever this is that's called wormwood is, is taking a toll on the remainder of people. If one-fourth are taken out under the four horsemen of the apocalypse of the population, oh, two billion people. Now it says of the, of the you know, five billion, whatever this left, five and a half billion, now many of them are dying of this polluted water, which has filled the earth. <clears throat> and the fourth angel then sounded, and a third part of the sun was smitten. So there's an involvement. Somebody's doing the smiting. A third part of the sun was smitten. These are not indiscriminate acts of nature. God's telling us he's supernaturally involved in these. There's angels blowing trumpets. and So fourth angel sounded, a third part of the sun was smitten. And a third part of the moon, which reflects the sun, so that would figure. And a third part of the stars. Again, the Greek word stars can mean meteors, asteroids, planets, heavenly bodies. So as the third part of them were darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. So we're not sure. It seems like he's saying eight hours, you know, there's a third part of the day now, of the, of the day during the daylight, three, four hours of, of sunlight cut out, three, four hours of moonlight, which is a third of the 24 hours. Or is he saying it was dimmed, the dimmer came on and the, and the intensity is turned down? We don't know. It would seem rather that the, the, the language is saying the sun only shone for two-thirds of the time it normally does, and the moon. And, and, and a third of the visible bodies in the heavens are, are, are gone. It's interesting because <clears throat> Jesus <clears throat> tells us that the problem with the world is that men love darkness more than they love light. Here things are darkened. Chapter 16, they're increased seven times and the sun is burning people. Here... It's turned down. Uh, yes, this can be a response from asteroids or meteors that crash onto the land and the sea. It, 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 it seems like these trumpets could be fairly quick in succession. We don't know. But a third part now of each one of those is gone. Again, 12 times in those trumpets, the first four, a third. God's grace, that's what a third means. He's still hoping to turn the hearts of men and women towards himself. And I beheld and heard an angel, no longer silent, this angel is heard, flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels, which are yet to 
sound. So he says he hears, and their King James says there's an angel going through the heavens. Your more modern translations probably say eagle there. Majority text. Some of the papyrus, some of the early things say angel. Some of them say eagle, so it goes back and forth. The manuscript guys can argue about that. For me, I just think it seems more logical to me that an angel talks than an eagle. Just my thoughts. An angel's flying through the heavens saying, whoa, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth. It could be one of the faces of the cherubim. One of their faces is an eagle. But it doesn't seem they leave the presence of God. So this messenger of God, whatever it is, flies around the planet. Evidently, this is audible. And people hear, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm thinking, whoa, to the inhabitants of the earth which is a specific phrase used in Revelation, inhabitants of the earth, to speak about the lost, the unredeemed. Woe, woe, woe to those that are lost that are still on the planet by reason of the three trumpets that are yet to sound. And by the way, the last three trumpets are woes. So people who want to try to make 1 Corinthians 15 or 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the last trump, we're supposed to encourage one another with that. That's the trump when we're caught up to meet the Lord. This trump is a woe, woe, woe. Ain't nothing encouraging about this. It's a different set of trumpets. Why woe, woe, woe? Why? What's the deal there? You know, look, the Lord is warning isn't it amazing? After everything that's happened through the, the seals and the first four trumpets, he warns. He, the, the woe is a, is a word of warning and, and, you know, to get attention. Isn't it interesting that God still with a world is going to tell us at the end, chapter 9, men are still shake their fist at the sky. They know God is doing it. It's supernatural. And they refuse to repent of their fornication and their witchcraft and their theft and their murder. It gives us a list. You know, isn't it interesting how hard the hearts of individuals can get? And yet the Lord, judging in a third, still longing to see the hearts of people broken and turn to him, now actually sends, there's going to be another angel that flies preaching the everlasting gospel. This angel flies through the heavens saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm assuming whatever language, tribe, people you're from, that's a bad word wherever you come from. An angel flying over your village or flying over Paris or flying over Germany or Baghdad or Philadelphia saying, whoa, 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 is the same everywhere. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Three trumpets left, three woes to the inhabitants of the earth because of the angels that are yet to sound. You know, for me, just kind of going through this, I'm thinking, all right, Lord, uh, you know, I'm always learning. You know, uh, Peter says, grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul tells us in the ages to come, we're still going to be learning about his mercy and his grace. Reading a great book right now called Gentle and Lowly. And 
it's a picture of the Lord's heart, not what he does, not ministry, not a thousand other things that are all good things, but of he himself. What was in his heart when he said, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. What was there when he said that? What was cooking inside of him, you know? And I'm, I'm asking the Lord to let me see that in these things. Here's a, God is not vindictive. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. There is power being demonstrated here, incalculable, beyond our imagination. And still it is seasoned with grace. Still he's calling men and women to himself. Look, this morning, if you've never come to Christ, you just forget about Calvary Chapel, forget about the church, forget about religion. You need to know Jesus. When all of this shuts down, or if you get killed in a car wreck, or whatever it is, life is temporary. You need to know Jesus. You ain't going to get to heaven to say I went to Calvary Chapel. The angel's going to say, never heard of it. What are you talking about? You know. You need to say, I believe that God's son died for me and shed his blood for my sins and enter in. Well done, faithful servant. You need to know him. And even in these difficult scenes, I think we can know something of his heart, know something of his love, know something of his patience and his care. And for you and I, that's what we want to garner out of this because the other part of it should be an incredible warning to the unbeliever but it's not a blessing. They read it and hear it and keep it. That's for us. That's for us. It should be fire. You know, Jeremiah said, your word was a fire in my bones. I couldn't contain it. This should be, knowing that these fires are falling from heaven, it should be a fire in our bones to share with our loved ones and our relatives and the people we work with. At least sow the seeds. Many of them are going to come after we're gone. To genuine faith. Hopefully many before he comes. But there's a great exhortation here for all of us in regards to God's love and his care. If you look and see it spread through through even these trumpets. Amen? Let's stand. Let's pray together. Now look, it still goes downhill next week, but I don't want you to think, Lord, let the ice come again. I don't want to listen to this, you know. But we're good. I remember the first time I taught Revelation, I was in my 30s. And I got to chapter 9 on Mother's Day. And taught it. So I was stupid then, but I, I taught it. And uh, it ain't Mother's Day next week, so read your read ahead and come. We'll, we'll journey through that if the Lord tarries together. Yeah, it's Valentine's Day, sure. Valentine's Day today, Rob, I hope you got something for your wife. I didn't. Okay. Well, you can get it for her next week because hopefully she doesn't all know my either. Trees are going yeah. to be on fire. Yeah, that's right. All the grass is going to be burned up. Yeah. All the guitars will be burned up. You know. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these things. We we look to you, Lord. I'm thankful we can laugh, Father. We can come. We can settle our hearts. We can lift our voices in praise, Lord Jesus. We think of. When you walked among us, you talked about those who would honor you with their lips, but their hearts were far away. Lord, we pray these difficult times you would be gathering our hearts, our emotions, our lips, our praise. There would be greater consistency and unity, Lord, uh, a greater agreement in every part of our spiritual experience. 
And as we end this morning, Lord, these are difficult things to look at, and, and yet you put them before our hearts. So we lift our voices in praise, Lord, and our hearts, Lord. And we pray this would bless you, Lord Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. Mm-hmm.